Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for uh, your time that you're joining us here. And here, as we always say, we believe there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word of God. God reveals His Word to everybody who shows the need. If you want God to speak to you, He will come and He will speak to you. So, Uh, We want to continue with our study today in the book of Matthew, uh, which we started. And uh, we looked at a number of issues that stopped this book. Of course, uh, where we closed off, we were looking at uh, what is spoken by the prophet that is fulfilled and would be fulfilled in the near future, where he says, out of Egypt, I called my son. The events that precede this uh, verse uh, when um, a dream comes to Joseph and is being told to get the child and the mother and leave for Egypt because they were being looked for. Yeah, um, The events surrounding that, of course, Herod is in search and wants to kill Jesus who has been born and uh, the uh, Magi as we may call them, others call them the wise men, uh, also have received a dream to take another route, not to go back to Herod and not to inform him of the position or the location of the Messiah who has been born. Because as far as he's concerned, he wanted to have him killed. So he's told to go to Egypt, Joseph. Of course, we looked at the fact that there was a community there that was already staying in Egypt. So... Uh, over a million Jews were staying in Egypt at that time, so they, they would be in a place that is quite familiar uh, with the people, their own people. And uh, from there came that statement of out of Egypt I called my son, because that's where he is going as Jesus and he'll be brought out. Remember, also the son as Israel was brought out in Exodus, when we read uh, through the scriptures, that they were brought out of Egypt, still regarded as a son. And you too. Sometimes there are places you you are picked from that may be regarded as Egypt. And God calls you son and he picks you out of there and brings you into another life of salvation. So from there, in verse 16, then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. And sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Now, when Herod gets to learn that these guys have played a trick on me, they have not returned, yet I told them to come back to me. He makes a decision and says, I'm going to kill all children 
two years and below. Now, uh, when we read the Bible, when we read the story of the birth of Christ and the Magi and the, all those that you call wise men sometimes, um, we tend to think this is something that happened in one day. Hmm? One day, one night, or two days. But uh, the fact that we are told here that Herod picks a period of two years, that implies that these events took some time, at least a period of two years, because he determines from the time they told him that they saw the star and the time that they've come using for travel and also the time that they've taken while they are, uh, they've not returned to him. And his determination is the oldest this child will be is two years. So there's a space of at least two years from the events of Christ being born, the Magi coming, uh, them look talking to Herod and them going to see Jesus and using another route not to return. So you have a period of about two years from the birth of Jesus before Herod um, decides to kill the children. Of course, he might also uh, use the idea of probably the, you may not tell who is below a year or what, so kill all as far as we're concerned from the age of two because there you shall not make a mistake all babies will be uh, dead so i will be dealing and getting rid of that person that man that king that has caused chaos in jerusalem a place that i lead yeah a place uh, that i reign over and i want to deal with all this once and for all kill all the children that is the order that comes from herod now Herod, of course, knew the most natural route that you have to take if you're leaving uh, Bethlehem is Jerusalem. So he knows that they avo they've avoided returning to him and uh, he decides, okay, let me do this extreme act. Hmm? One that is quite similar to the one of Pharaoh, uh, which he did. Remember the survival of Moses. Yeah, uh, These two do not uh, defer much. Yeah, Killing of children. Now, this man we're talking about, Herod, he was a very brutal man. He was a very uh, murderous guy, known through history. We looked at, uh, when we were studying the history of Israel, we looked at the fact that he killed, he, uh, he ordered for the slaughter of the entire Sanhedrin. That was the governing council of Jerusalem at that time. He ordered for all the execution. And he's not somebody that is new to executions. When you're talking about killing children, this is not something that is so new to him. He knows how to do it. Yeah. There are some documented um, murders that Herod did that are well known. For example, there's a high priest who was young yeah, and was uh, more or less regarded as a popular competitor with him. And... Uh, it was found that he had drowned in a pool. And this pool was just a few feet deep. It wasn't a deep pool, but they found this young high priest drowned there. And it's believed that it is Herod who executed uh, that murder. On another occasion, he had many women, but he had this favorite wife that he had, this Herod guy. And uh, whatever cause of the conflict or the argument... Uh, Herod strangled this young wife or this favorite wife 
of his that he had and she died and he only got to find out later on that she was actually innocent after he had killed her so in this deep argument what they're arguing about is not right Herod Strong was the, the lady she's dead and after Herod realizes no actually the, 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 she was not at fault but she's dead he is also documented for having killed two of his sons executed two of his sons they were also innocent yeah executed his children so for somebody who can kill his own children he has no problem ordering for execution of all other children in his area of reign that he's doing right now yeah on his own deathbed herod he still executed another son of his yeah so his executions were numerous he was a, a very brutal guy who did anything to keep in power now a historian josephus also reports that uh, herod ordered nobles to be executed at his death and uh, this herod did he said when i die hmm, i want you to get some nobles and kill them execute them on the day that i die this is the reason he did that to ensure that there is mourning in the country when he's dead because he knew that uh, his death could cause celebration among the people people would celebrate the herod is dead herod is dead so let's celebrate and there's something that happens sometimes with leaders who have been um, harsh and, and uh, rough and have done so much uh, harm to people because their death is not mourned but rather celebrated now herod knowing that he's the kind he said at my death execute some nobles yeah so that there is some mourning that happens in the country do not um let uh, me die so that people just celebrate if there are some people who have died uh, then we shall know that they will be crying in the land unfortunately then this didn't happen because when herod died these uh, nobles were instead released so still celebration happened in the land because um, they were not killed with him so he was a brutal man he's known for his executions he now orders execution of the babies two years and below and the jews as far as they're concerned they looked at this act of killing babies as a pagan act they did not like this act it was an evil act of course clearly and uh, some people of course had like the romans from which uh, herod had a great attachment they would kill babies that are born that are deformed and uh, they also used it to control populations yeah and uh, also pharaoh we've looked at the fact that pharaoh did that moses escaped from that and uh, for such an event to happen this is not something new to herod he knows how to do it but also it's not new to israel because they've seen it before they've seen it with moses uh in when they read through their history and now they see it come to pass in this period of course it should have raised some uh interest when they are expecting a messiah they know that a messiah has been born and now they are having similar events like those that happened to moses they could have picked some hope that yeah this could be the guy by the time uh herod is looking for his head then he should be a guy so this is a period that they want 
them executed, not only in Bethlehem, but even areas surrounding Bethlehem. Go to the neighboring uh, villages or nations or uh, provinces and ensure everybody is dead. Then, what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah. This is what Jeremiah had spoken. Weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be comforted because they were no more. This uh, Rachel, of course, being buried in that same area could be uh, the connection that is spoken here using Rachel. Uh, weeping also the fact that she's, uh, she's a mother of, uh, of these uh, children as Israel, uh, given that their execution caused weeping, but they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And this is a fact of life. However great you think you are, however great Herod thought he was, a moment comes and you have to die. However great a tyrant you could, you could be, however much you think you're the one who rules, you're the one who has authority, it is all in your hand. If the time has come for you to die, you will die. Herod, irrespective of everything he did to keep himself in power, he died. And at that point, the Lord speaks through an angel, yeah, still in a dream to Joseph and says, Get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. You've had enough time here in Egypt. This is not the place that is going to run his ministry. So I want you to get everything that you have. Get the child. Get the mother. Return to Israel. Because the person who sought your child's life is dead. There are things that have haunted you for a while. There are events that have haunted you for a while. There are people who have haunted you for a while. But their time can come to an end. The bad days can come to an end and you shall return to your glory. You shall return to your inheritance. You shall return to that which belongs to you, the good. And this is the thing. Oppressive situations do not mean that it is over. Oppressive situations should let you know or speak a message to you that there are good days ahead because the God we serve, the God we worship, always has us at heart and he will return the good days. While these guys are out there in exile, Joseph and his family, he probably thinks we are going to be like the rest of this one million living in Alexandria. These Jews. But the message here to him is get up, return home. The ones who sought your life are dead. And may that be a message to you. Get up, return home. For those who sought your life are dead. Get up, return to your victory. Return to your place of, 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 of opportunity. Return to that place that is filled with joy, filled with hope. Because that which seemed to want to claim your life is gone. That disease is gone. That uh, terrible economic state is gone. That business that was failing is going to resurrect because that which sought to kill it has been dealt with. So they get up and they take their child and they return to the land of Israel. But when Joseph heard that Achelaus was reigning over Judea, 
in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. He does not return uh, to, to that area because Archelaus is the son of Herod. Yeah? And he's the, the one now uh, reigning. And uh, of course, reading through the history of Archelaus as uh, this surviving son who takes over the reins of his father, he, he was not any different from his dad. He was doing the same things. And for him, he even lacked administrative skill. He was a terrible leader that they uh, had. And also the fact that his mother was a Samaritan also did not really buy in well with the Jews who were his subjects. They didn't remember they had this thing that the Samaritans are mixed blood. They are not part of us. Yeah, They got that assimilation that happened during the Assyrian conquest. So the Jews, the people living in Judah and Jerusalem, were considered or considered themselves to be the staunch Jews. The ones who are not without fault, but regarded these others uh, from this other northern region, those ten lost tribes as uh, people who are mixed race. And now, uh, this guy, Achelaus's mother, being a Samaritan, they could not consider him as a pure Jew. So, his rule was unstable. And uh, after some times, the Romans decided to get him out of that position. And they sent him to Gaul in France, banished him there, stay there. They're not of good use to us. So, uh, when Joseph knows that this is a guy who is reigning at this period, he says, we cannot get back there. Let's stay in the regions of Galilee. And they came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill that which was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called Nazareth. And uh, Jesus now grows from this place. He grows from Nazareth, a place that they went to to pick uh, some comfort or pick some safety from the rulers in that region. Now we move to chapter 3. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now there's a jump here. We last read of Jesus when he's young. When they've returned from Egypt, they're staying in Nazareth. Now, events that happen between that uh, arrival in Nazareth up until now, in the days of John the Baptist, when Jesus is a grown uh, man at this point, are not documented. We do not have much documentation of the childhood of Jesus. There are books, of course, uh, that I've read personally, some regarded in the category of apocrypha, that talk of the childhood of Jesus and the things he used to do with the people or the kids of his generation. And uh, of course, those we may not discuss here because they may not fall in the docket of these that have been canonized and uh, they will cause questions here and there. But we do not have the documentation of the life of Jesus as a child. Yeah, We are shifted from when they have returned from, and they are living in Nazareth and now it's time for baptism. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And what was he preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a message he was preaching. 
he wasn't using any other terms he wasn't using any other uh gimmicks in the in the preaching he just said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand he was calling for repentance and even when jesus starts to preach when we shall look at uh, verse 4 or rather chapter 4 he also starts by saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent repent means turn turn complete turn not partial turns repent turn completely turn from your ways and that's a message that jesus also starts with repent and that's a message that still comes to us today by the way because the fact that there's need to repent has not ended the fact of turning from the old life has not ended the fact that you need to change your course of of direction and walk a pure and clear life has not ended you turn completely you turn from uh, the things you used to do from the life of the world the outings the clubbings the whatever it is the witchcraft you turn totally and that is the repentance that is being talked about here and john the baptist is telling his people repent turn from the gods that you've been serving turn from the acts that you've been the oppression that you've been showing the the poor the needy turn for the kingdom of heaven is here it is at hand yeah for this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness and they were talking about uh, John the Baptist here that that is the reference we are getting here the the voice of the one crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the Lord make his paths straight Isaiah chapter 40 yeah he says that verse 3 the voice of him that cries in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight the de- in the in the desert a highway of our God. So, this is seen by Isaiah that he prophesied, and it has come pass. He's telling them, make way, prepare for the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. Verse four. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. This verse gives us a dress code of this guy. A garment of camel's hair, he has a leather belt around his waist and it even gives us his diet, how he used to eat. He used to eat locusts and wild honey. That is how John the Baptist would feed. Um, As far as his diet is concerned, it was that which was uh, regarded for the poor people. They were the ones who used to eat locusts and honey. Yeah, And uh, for him, that is where he, he, he lives. He lives in the world, so he eats this wild honey. Of course, also, the, remember we looked at... Uh, the category that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, then the Essenes. The Essenes were a, a very religious group, yeah, one that was regarded very pure. They even created their own community uh, and uh, they set themselves apart to stay in a community 
uh, Qumran community where they would be and they did not want to be infected by anything. They would not want to be uh, having people come in or destroy their relationship or damage the law that they followed as far as re uh, walking with the Lord was concerned. And they also were regarded to have such a diet because the very religious people yeah, and these essence would eat that to avoid even having any issues with having unclean food that they eat. So they will eat that specifically. And that is the same that John is eating. And Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. There was a sort of revival that was happening in Judea at this time. We are being told Jerusalem was going to him. And then they add all Judea, the entire region of Israel was running to John. And this is a revival that was happening before Christ comes on scene. And Christ witnesses this revival. Wherever he was in Galilee, he witnessed the revival that was happening. Because even in Galilee, even in Nazareth, the word of John baptizing was moving. Everybody knew that John is baptizing. He's calling us to repent. Yeah, I don't know if they were expecting that this is now the call that is going to finally give them back their freedom. But everybody was rising up and moving to go and get baptized. And we are told that he was baptizing from the Jordan. And as he baptized them, they confessed their sins. He would come out in the water and say, I have been an adulterous man. I've been an adulterous woman. I have done this. I stole my neighbor's land and I ask for forgiveness. And it's renting for that which I've done. I am, I am looking to turn from this life of, a, of being an adulterer. I need to be baptized. And then John will dip you in the water for you to receive that baptism. And this is an interesting thing. When he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Now, this um, event that is happening, this great revival that is happening in the land of Judea and, and all Israel that is taking place, shocks the people. And not only the people, but also the religious leaders. It takes them into account. And uh, from this fact that we see them come to be uh, baptized would speak to us clearly to show us that this was a great move that was happening uh, with John the Baptist. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the Word of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com.